It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book Close Encounters of the Worst Kind and the captivating memoir Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Have you heard about the disturbing new trend on TikTok known as the George Floyd Challenge? This is a typical and alarming example of what our children are watching on social media platforms. Thanks to COVID-19, kids on their devices now probably more than ever before, helping to keep them safe online and in real life is crucial. There has never been a more critical time to affect change, especially with young and developing minds. Today's special guest, Titania Jordan, Chief Parent Officer at Bark Technologies, is with us today to offer strategies to help parents kickstart meaningful dialogue with their children, how to talk to kids about hate and violence, especially when they're using apps like TikTok and YouTube as their main news source. Bark Technologies was founded by a parent looking for a way to help keep his kids safe online while preserving their privacy. When he discovered that no such tool existed, he created one himself. Titania Jordan is the former host of NBC Atlanta affiliate WXIA's weekly television show, Atlanta Tech Edge. She was named a tech innovator and a mother of invention by the Atlantan in 2015. Past roles include serving as the CMO of Kids Link, co-founder and CMO of Privet, P-R-I-V-E-T, and Executive Director of Band of Coders Girls Academy. Good morning, Titania. Welcome. Hi there. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Thank you for being my guest. Okay. So why don't we start by um, telling us how you got involved in this? Sure. So, gosh, where to begin? <laughs> the uh, my career has really been at the intersection of parenting and technology. So, when I first started out, I worked at the local radio station here in Atlanta, uh, whose demographic uh, was women and particularly moms. And so I, you know, started my career in traditional media, and quickly that segued into social media. Around that time, Facebook was blowing up, and then Instagram, and YouTube, and, you know, now there's TikTok, and um, there's always been a need for community on these platforms, especially with more and more women, um, you know, working virtually and also managing motherhood and careers. And with Bark in particular, uh, at my last startup, I was working on building a community for parents 
to share things that were perhaps a little more vulnerable than uh, you would find on Facebook or Instagram public posts. But we also needed a way to moderate the community to make sure we didn't have trolls and cyberbullying and hate speech. And so Brian Basin, the CEO of Bark, and I were in talks to figure out how to integrate the Bark algorithm into my community to help keep it, uh, you know, a safer place. And through those conversations, realized I needed to to be a part of Bark, and I was so grateful that he asked me to join the team. And it's been almost four years now since I've joined, and uh, over five years since the company started. Now, I, what an amazing idea, and absolutely needed, absolutely needed. So, how exactly does this work for so, you know, for parents? How would how would they use yeah. this? Yeah. So, you know, full disclosure, we realize that it's a lot. You know, every kid has a variety of ways they can access the Internet and technology, and then every family has a different setup across Internet service providers, cable service providers, uh, cell carriers, and just, you know, Android versus Apple devices in the home, et cetera, et cetera. So taking all of that into account, we tell parents that the best thing to do is to go to our website. You go to bark.us and sign up for a free seven-day trial. And from there, we walk you through the process of, of figuring out how to best get your family connected and protected. And then in terms of how the, the software works is we're using artificial intelligence to monitor and alert families to, to problematic issues. So, for example, I set up my son's iPhone and uh, a variety of his accounts, you know, Gmail, text message, et cetera, and Bark is not going to send me everything that he is doing, or, you know, everything that his friends are sending him, everything that he is sending out, but Bark will alert me when there's a problem. If I have my severity settings uh, such that I want to know about profanity, um, I will get a bark alert when, you know, there's an F-bomb dropped. Um, there's also violent alerts, cyberbullying, mental health, thoughts of suicide and depression, potential drug use or, or alcohol and drug content, um, and also sexual content and online predation. Um, so our algorithm will detect and then alert. I'll get a text or an email when Bark has detected something problematic, and the, the alert will let me know what happened, give me some context, and it will also give me best recommended next steps for how to address it and, and how to help my child through this process. Okay, so it's not going to block it. It's just going to alert the parent as to what the child is watching. So that's a great point that you bring up. We did recently launch screen time features uh, in April of 2020. So prior to April of 2020, uh, you would not be able to block things. But now, actually, you can. So in addition to monitoring and alerting, um, I can also just, within the Bark app on my phone, as a parent, I can toggle off access to a variety of things uh, and, and set time limits and, and times of day that I want or don't want him to have access. That's great. <laughs> That's really wonderful. <clears throat> I really, really love this idea. Um, my kids are grown, you know, but 
TikTok is an issue. And um, when I read about the George Floyd challenge and then I watched the video, I, I, I was just appalled. I mean, kids or people sitting on other people's necks or leaning on other people's mm. necks and sickening. It's absolutely sickening. Um, it is. It's, it's- it's terrible and it's devastating. And it used to be that you could control uh, the flow of information to your child based on what was on, you know, the living room television. And now that's no longer the case. You know, there's um, some talk that TikTok is going to be not going to be accessible here in the United States. Have you heard that? I have heard that. And I truly think it's TBD. Um, you know, there are so many users that if for some reason TikTok does get shut down, they're just going to move to uh, a similar platform, right? For every app that launches, there's 10 other apps that do the same exact thing. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with TikTok. It's it's possible it might get shut down, but the the platform nuances will still remain Uh, just through a different app. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the only reason they want to shut it down is because it's from China, hosted by China. But, uh, right, so something could pop up here in the United States just as easily. I got you. Exactly. I got you. What what age group is typically watching these kind of things? Or is there not an age group? I mean, do you have – statistics on what kids are watching and, and, you know, how old they are? So in terms of statistics, you know, we would need to get that from TikTok, which I don't think they'll be providing anytime soon. Um, But it's, it's, it's actually pretty crazy. Children as young as five, six, seven uh, are on the platform, Um, you know, because, parents use smartphones and and iPads as babysitters. And so perhaps, you know, they have to go take care of another child in the home or just grab a a shower in peace. Um, It is so easy for a child to quickly navigate away from perhaps a game or a cartoon on the YouTube app over to TikTok and then consume that content. Hmm. So what is it doing to our kids? I mean, watching violence and bullying and sexual content and uh, what is it doing to kids how do they gosh download that how do they interpret that what is happening yeah i mean from a from a macro level um it's desensitizing children to issues that they should be very sensitive and thoughtful about our children are now experiencing themes that they wouldn't until much later on in life when their brains are more fully developed and they have more maturity and life experience to deal with them. And so that's, that's a problem. Um, it is forcing children to grow up faster, to be uh, hypersexualized at a much younger age. Um, when children were in school, the, the rate of violent and violent threats uh, were consistently on the rise. And so um, it's, it's, it's terrifying. Um, you know, with regards to mental health, suicide is now the second leading cause of death in children age 10 and up. Oh and 
it's, yeah, it's heartbreaking. So while we can't yet clearly correlate social media use to some of these issues, it's because it's just too soon. Over the next few years, as organizations like the CDC and the National Institute for Health and the American Academy of Pediatrics have more data um, under their belt, we will be able to see uh, more correlations between these sort of things and just how social media and electronic use and screen time and smartphone use are uh, dramatically impacting children. So frightening. I mean, we really have to watch. Everybody has to watch what their kids are doing. You can't just put let your kids have you know, carte blanche to use the computer however they want. Um, now, this is this something that's new to TikTok or they can just access this stuff just as easily on YouTube and, and those kind of things? Yeah, it it is not just TikTok. It's, it's everywhere. Um, you know, a, a parent has the unfortunate uh, burden, um, but it's also an opportunity, but it's also a burden, uh, to have to keep everything in their children's digital lives safer. So much like you, you know, have a fire alarm and a carbon monoxide detector and uh, put sunscreen on your children and make sure they wear a bike helmet, um, make sure they wear a seatbelt, all those things you do in the physical world that makes you a good parent, um, you now have to think about your role as a parent in the digital world. And so starting with things like screen time, just how much screen am I going to allow uh, how much screen time am I going to allow my child to have, whether it's on the uh, television or iPad or phone or gaming or even, you know, schoolwork. You have to think about how those screens and the content that they're consuming affects their brains and their developing minds and their ability to sleep. Um, the next level after that is thinking about the interactions. You know, once children are able to read, they can read the comment sections, they can read the headlines, they can read messages from uh, friends and or people who don't have the good intentions in mind. And that could cause a whole host of other problems. And so teaching your children to be discerning and responsible digital natives is, is a huge task for parents. Um, then as children get even older, they want to have their own presence online. Um, everybody wants to be, you know, Instagram or YouTube famous. Uh, everybody, you know, is an influencer these days. And so talking to your children about the, the presence that they curate online and how their digital footprint is a record of, of their life and the decisions they make that will not go away, even if they delete it because somebody else can take a screenshot of it or it will live on a server somewhere. Um, and talking about how those those decisions of the content you put online uh, not only can affect you and your ability to get a job or get into a school, but also how it affects others. For example, if you go to a concert or a sleepover um, when it's safe to do so again, and you are in a group of friends in a photo, but there's one friend missing, how's that going to affect that friend who's not there? Uh, will they feel left out? Will they be depressed? Um, Thinking about how how your actions, your digital actions, affect others is really really crucial. Um, and then finally, just circling back to mental health, thinking about spending so much time consuming content that is a curated version of other people's lives can make you feel less great about your own life. 
if all you're looking at are airbrushed photos of perfection um, and vacation photos and Pinterest perfect homes, chances are you're going to be left feeling dissatisfied. And that is not something we want this generation to be plagued with. No, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that. And it affects me that way, too. It's not just the children. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I stay off of my personal Facebook page because it makes me feel less than. It makes mm. me, you know, feel like I don't have, you know, all the things other people are having and they're bragging and they're bragging and they're bragging. And it's like, okay, well, I don't have that. So, you know, <laughs> good for you. Yeah. But after a while, you begin to, you know, you begin to feel bad. Well, why don't I have that or not experiencing that? or um, So... So, yeah, for me, I stay off of it because it really makes me feel bad. I don't like the way I feel. What about um, what about protecting children from predators? Mm-hmm. Is there a way to do that? There are a variety of ways to do that. Um, you know, first and foremost is just having the awareness that there are uh, lots of them online, and they are smart. Um, they're also not necessarily the stereotypical uh, predator that you might think of when you think of one, but they are people like like the men that you and I maybe admire and love. They are doctors, they are teachers, they are lawyers, um, they are pastors, they are law enforcement officials. Uh, predators can be anyone. And so removing that uh, distorted view that you'll know if there's a a creepy person or predator in your child's life is is key. So once you know the unfortunate reality of the pervasiveness of of predators, then you move on to education. Um, Educating your children from a very young age about uh, personal space and body autonomy and and encouraging them to surface anything that makes them uncomfortable and letting, letting them know that you're a safe space, whether it's a physical encounter or a digital encounter, is key. A lot of children are afraid to raise things uh, to parents and caregivers that they encountered online for fear of retribution. They don't want to lose access to their smartphone or their gaming console because of a bad choice or a, a bad person. Um, and so they will maybe sit with those things instead, uh, causing even further abuse to themselves. Um, another thing to uh, help prevent this is, uh, again, from an education standpoint, is talking to your children about PII, that's personally identifiable information. Never, ever, ever, ever uh, engage in dialogue with someone who you don't actually know in real life. Don't give them your name, your age, your address, where you go to school, none of that. And, in fact, if somebody is asking for that, you need to tell a trusted adult. Um, and, and letting children know that it's okay if it happens to them. It, they are not alone, and it's never their fault. It is never, ever, ever a child's fault uh, if, if this sort of thing happens, even if they have engaged with it, because they are a child um, and their frontal lobes are not fully formed and their decision-making capabilities uh, are not that of an adult. And so um, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, but at, at the heart of it, it's open and ongoing, 
uh, open and ongoing, honest conversations about some of the toughest, toughest things uh, you'll ever encounter as a parent so that your children know if and when that does happen, they can come to you and you'll work through it together. Great advice. You know, that's, that's always been my philosophy is don't react to everything that your yeah. kids say because when you react, they're going to stop telling you. If you want right. to keep your kids safe, you have to be a listener. You can't show it in your face. You can't get all upset over every little thing. You know, the kids have to know they can talk to you, and that is how yeah. you keep your kids safe. Um, another problem that's, you know, and, and you, you probably heard in the beginning um, that I'm a narcissistic abuse expert, but the, the um, platform that I'm on is about narcissistic personality disorder. So it's not about general narcissism, which is rampant um, as a result of social media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what is your what are your feelings about that? I mean, kids, they're just, they're so wrapped up in themselves. Yeah. Yeah, how, well, do we, how do we change that? <laughs> how do we get them to, to integrate? I mean, it's, it's awful. They're, they're losing their empathy. Um, they're so wrapped up in who they are and trying to become something else. And it's, it's like a false, um, it's a false ideal. Um. So you're the expert here when it comes to uh, to all of those points you raised. But from my perspective and my experience, um, it is imperative that we integrate compassion and empathy training into school curriculum, into our parenting discussions. And we also emphasize the fact that your worth as a human uh, and the confidence that you hopefully are building over time does not come from likes, from followers, from comments, from virality, from, from brand partnerships. Um, your worth as a human uh, is innate and all humans uh, are worthy. And um, highlighting that is really all we can do because that, you know, that, that train has left the station. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's too late to dial it back. And so at least just talking about it frequently and pointing out um, the fact that not everything you see online is true. In fact, it's frequently not. There's, you know, everybody is trying to tell a story in some way, shape, or form. And not necessarily that they're telling a story that they're lying, but, you know, they have that angle for a certain reason. They have that background for a certain reason. There are filters. There's airbrushing. Um, somebody may post a picture at the beach, and they're not at the beach. They're in their bedroom, you know, crying, but they're just trying to get engagement. I mean, there's so much behind the scenes that, that really needs to go into it. And I have a feeling, you know, 20, 30 years from now, when some of the, uh, quote, flawless personalities we see online start to show signs of, of aging that surgery and exercise and diet can't impact, um, we will be having some more thoughtful discussions. Yeah, there was actually a show on Dr. Phil yesterday about, um, you know, two young women um, who have made their careers on social media, and one of them actually got very 
successful and then had a breakdown hmm. from the success. So, um, you know, it, it it isn't all that it's cracked up to be. And, yes, when you're young and beautiful and, you know, um, everything is wonderful, but you are going to change and you are going to have to have a self, a person that you love. You said something really important. You said um, to tell children that not everything is true. And this is a, a real strong um, point for me because with narcissistic abuse, narcissists try to tell you how to think. And that's mm-hmm. how they are able to brainwash, kidnap children's minds. And so, you know, when people ask me what to tell their children, this is one of the things to demonstrate in every single way they can that they should use their instinct, their feeling about things, not rational always, because they need to be able to discern what's true and what's not true. And we have that built-in filter in our bodies, in our, you know, and that's so much more important than what we hear. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, let's see. Let's talk about cyberbullying. Oh, my gosh. You know, my son yeah. was a victim of cyberbullying back in... Um, mm, 15, so yeah, 10, 12 years ago, something like that, when it was just um, MySpace and things like that. And it was absolutely horrible because somebody posted, somebody got a hold of his um, password and posted something that affected everybody and hurt everybody, and he was bullied mercilessly for years after that. Um, and I know that kids commit suicide over these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. So what is Bark doing um, in regard to that, if anything? Yeah, well, yeah I, I am so sorry for your son uh, and, and that you all had to deal with that. Uh, it's heartbreaking. And unfortunately, he's not alone. It's Well, fortunately, he's not alone. And unfortunately, he's not alone. Um, every year we do a case study on just the state of of kids and tech. And in 2019, Bark analyzed more than 873 million messages across text, email, YouTube, and over 30 apps and social media platforms. And with regards to cyberbullying, we found that 76.2% of tweens and 78.4% of teens experienced cyberbullying either as a bully, victim, or witness. And so if, you know, three-fourths are experiencing this sort of thing, um, it's, it's staggering. And, and that uh, references back to what we were talking about earlier of just empathy training. We have got to teach children and show children how words can hurt and have ramifications. Um, you know, on August 11th on my show, I'm having a man who actually created curriculum around all this that he's going to be mm. integrating in the school. And he's, you know, because he's saying the mental, the mental health of children 
is more important than the math and the arithmetic and the science and all those kind of things. This has to be integrated into the school system. So I'm really excited to talk to him about what he's planning on doing. Um, so it's nice to know that people are working on this issue, but it has to it has to happen in the schools. It has to. It has to be a major part of education, don't you think? I absolutely think so because uh, not only do I think so personally, but it's tied to educational outcomes. Children who are cyberbullied, uh, you know, are their attendance and their performance in school is affected. Uh, we need children attending school. We need them uh, having the ability to perform in a relatively stress-free environment, and that's not the case right now. No, no, it's not the case. You know, and I remember when my daughter was in middle school, because middle school's really, that's where it really gets bad. And oh, one yeah. girl had like a hate book. She had this hate notebook, and she, and Aww. she would write down all the people that she hated. Um, and, and and you never wanted to get on that list, you know. <laughs> but it was no. hard to avoid it. Uh, and she would show people. And um, yeah, my daughter suffered a lot of that as well. My kids were able to rise above this, thank God. And mm. you know they're doing okay. My son is a doctor, <laughs> and I oh, and good. I almost wonder he's a surgeon i almost wonder if it was like you know an f u to all those people it's like look what i can look what i became you know <laughs> because it was never his it was never his goal to do that until he was right. like in his second year in college and then it was like oh i think i'm going to be a doctor so um to me that that's you know that's his way of showing everybody you know look what you <laughs> look what i became <laughs> yeah. So Good what's happening him. during quarantine? What is, you know, what what problems are rising during quarantine? Well, uh, the biggest concern is the rise in online predation. Um, from March 11th to today, we've seen a 23% increase in alerts uh, that we have sent out regarding online predators. Um which is it's, it's terrifying and uh, and heartbreaking. You know, more kids are at home. Uh, they're spending more time online. So are the predators, and they know it, and they're smart, and they know how to interact with kids. And so, um, you know, online predation continues to be a a very very important topic that we as a society need to highlight and work together to to fight. Um, you know, mental health is always a concern. And actually speaking to the cyberbullying convo we were just having, uh, and you mentioned that girl had a a hate book. We also call that a burn book. You know, it's not just the people that she's writing about that are going to need help. That that girl needs help too. Perhaps if she had access to uh, more mental health resources, she could channel that hate into personal healing so that she would not perpetuate that hate. Mm. Um, we, we need more mental health care resources and affordable ones at that to be given to the general population um, than currently exist. There, there's not a person on this planet that cannot use some kind of mental health help. <laughs> not a person. Right? <laughs> because life is so difficult. 
And we all have trauma, and we all have heartbreak, and we all have disappointment, you know. Um, But it really starts at the parenting level, how we learn to deal with that. That's the parenting level is so important because what we teach our children is how they will go out into the world and cope with everything that they're going to be faced with. It's so important, so important. Um, you were talking about kids needing um, kids susceptible to predators or a lot more predators online, and I was thinking to myself as you were saying that their kids are lonely; they don't have that social interaction. And all a predator has to do is become a friend. That's that's all they have to do because kids need friends now. They're having a hard time. Um, you know, so that would definitely be be an in. Yeah, yeah, kids are lonely, and and, lonely. and in terms of um, even children who are neurodiverse, perhaps they're on the spectrum, um, they are sometimes even more at risk um, for these sort of instances, both in exposure to predators, uh, but also in their propensity to be groomed by uh, uh, radical groups, hate groups, that sort of thing. So it's, um, yeah, a lot lot to process for sure. Right. TikTok is more about them making videos, right? Is that I, I've never been on it. I've only heard about it. So, what exactly do they do on that? Yeah. So with TikTok, um, it is a, an app where you can go live uh, or upload recorded videos uh, anywhere from 15 seconds to one minute in length, and you can use uh, raw audio, just your voice, or sing, or music you create or you can utilize video and audio clips that others have used. Um, and it's just a way to really perform. It's, it's, it's the you show. <laughs> and uh, you can also do duets with people. So I could open up my TikTok app right now and see a 15-second video from somebody I follow, hit a button, and then uh, create a video in response to their video, copy their video, uh, et cetera. So it's just, it's a feed, much like any other social network, with, with comedy and drama and dancing, uh, you know, all of the above. How are kids reacting to the violence that's going on in the United States? Is this, is this being um, portrayed, some, well, yes, with the George Floyd challenge, obviously, um, are there other things that are that are floating around um, in regard to, you know, the looting and the the crime and the deaths and the murders and all those things? Um, unfortunately, because of the way social media algorithms work, whatever you show interest in or engage with online, more of that same thing will be served to you. So let's say my 11-year-old son stumbles upon some uh, pro-Trump propaganda or, or Black Lives Matter uh, videos or, or whatever, whatever he stumbles upon. If he likes it, if he comments on it, if he shares it, even if he just watches it uh, for more than a few seconds instead of scrolling past it, the algorithm might think that he is interested in that and wants more of that and will serve more of that to him. 
And so in order, I, I kind of went down a path for a minute there, but in, in answer to your question of how are children reacting to it, you know, we don't truly know. It's, it's, we won't know for years how this sort of digital trauma is going to affect them. What we do know, just based on educated guesses and, and history lessons, is that um, they are desensitized. Uh, they also are forming their own opinions about the world outside of what traditional media and teachers and parents are telling them. And it's, it's scary because we need to be uh, encouraging children to find truth and to know that there are three sides to every story, one side, the other side, and then somewhere in the middle ground lies the truth. Um, and if children are only getting one position, one standpoint, one person's camera lens on something mm -hmm. that could have even been digitally manipulated, uh, that's not ideal. So um, it's true. It's a lot. It's a lot to process there. That's true. So talking to kids about hate and violence, <clears throat> what do we say about what's going on? How do we yeah. what do we tell our children? I mean, yeah. I don't even understand it. I don't. E oh I wouldn't even know what to say about it. It's so bizarre. Yeah. You know, it's so, it's so interesting you bring that up. I remember, you know, in school as a second grader, fifth grader, eighth grader, what have you, especially in history classes, learning about the civil rights movement uh, and slavery before that, just wondering truly how that could have even happened. How could humans have even thought that it was okay to do this way and to, to act this way? It did not make sense to me. Um, I also naively, as a, as a white female, um, in a you know raised in an environment where I had enough to eat and had a shelter over my head, was uh, incorrectly thinking that this was a thing of the past. That the the instances that may happen today were few and far between, and now we're learning that's not the case. And so I'm unfortunately still in shock. Uh, of how far we have not come as a society. And so the, the best thing I can think of to do is to uh, go back to history. You know, I, I talked to, to my parents who grew up uh, in the 50s and 60s and 70s and asked them, you know, what were you thinking during this time where you were seeing these same things in the news and the political climate? Uh, talk to my grandparents and, and see what it was like to grow up during a time where, um, you know, there were signs that said, you know, colored only and, and whites only. Um, ask them how they felt. Ask them what they thought. You know, we can really only do better by knowing better, knowing more. And so wisdom mm -hmm. and knowledge is very important. And um, I think it's important to be transparent with your children. Let them know, you know, I, I don't have all the answers. I don't know why bad things happen to good people. I do not know why injustice still exists today, but I do know that as a family, you know, we don't support that and we will stand up for what's right and we will do whatever we can to make sure uh, that all humans are treated fairly and justly as much as we can impact that. That's wonderful. That's, you know, that's, that's so true. Yeah. I just, you brought back a memory actually. Um, I was raised Jewish and I remember being a little girl and being invited to somebody's swim club. And the mother said, don't say that you're Jewish. And I remember walking mm. um, past the fence 
that said no Jews allowed. Um, So that was back in the 60s. That was back in the 60s. Um, So there was persecution in that way too. And also, I mean, tremendous persecution. When you say how could that happen with the slaves, how could Holocaust happen? How could 6 million Jews be be killed? How could human beings do torturous things to other human beings? It's, it just, yeah, it's just hard to understand. Um, But yeah, I mean, I like what you said about um, talking to kids about the hate and violence and, you know, that you don't understand it. You don't have to understand it, but Mm-mm. it's not acceptable. It's not right. an acceptable way to handle your frustration and anger. Mm-hmm. There are other ways to do that. And much like you said earlier with your, your internal radar, right, if mm-hmm. something doesn't feel right, you should speak up. If if something yes. is the norm, but it doesn't sit right with you, perhaps you you question it. You know, you know, John Lewis recently passed, and um, the the speeches that he gave around raising a good kind of trouble, uh, you know, really means a lot. And and it's not it's not just uh, you know the African American community, much like you raised, that have. Uh, been victims here, you know, anti-Semitism is also extremely pervasive still to this day. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. And, you know, we have got to continue to fight for all humans. Um, every right. human uh, deserves justice and honestly just kindness and compassion. You don't have to agree with somebody's religious belief uh, or, or whatever to be a kind and decent human to one another it's really not that hard which is also why it doesn't make a lot of sense to us you know right right and i guess the difference is you know i mean if you're african-american everyone sees that you know that's an obvious Mm -hmm. um minority you can see that right um you know versus somebody being jewish you're not going to notice that but you know they do hit on synagogues and, and places like that yeah. Um, yeah. So, tell us a little more about um, Bark and where it's going, and what what the goals are, and that kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, Bark recently just celebrated its fifth birthday, and we protect over five million children across the nation. We're in over twenty two hundred school districts across the nation, and so uh, really really honored to be able to have that sort of impact on our country. Um, next steps are to, you know, go global, support other languages. It's not just Ameri- uh, North American families that are struggling with this, families in Japan and Germany and Africa and Canada, you know, children all over the world are experiencing these issues because the Internet is all over the world. And so uh, our hope is to be able to help protect them as well. Um, Education is really key. A lot of families and, and caregivers still just don't understand the very pervasive dangers that exist online. Um, they don't realize, you know, handing your kid an iPad with unfettered access to YouTube might not end up so well for them. Um, and so there's a great deal of education that we are working to uh, help uh, provide in the market through 
documentaries and books and social media posts and blogs. You know, we really want to uh, educate uh, and, uh, and empower families uh, to do what's best for their family. And so that's what we will continue to do. So you're, you're working on integrating it into the school system? Or school yes, systems? Yes. So, yeah, so, um, you know, families can, can purchase the BARC software to keep their children safer online through personal devices and accounts. But, you know, schools have, uh, provide tech for, for students and are uh, increasingly more and more digital in nature. And the schools are responsible for uh, protecting the children uh, on the school issue devices and accounts from predation, cyberbullying, uh, you know, just in general, good common sense filters, et cetera. And we actually provide our technology to schools at no cost. So Bark is free for any wow. school in the nation. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's definitely, it definitely come in handy by uh, alerting law enforcement to uh, school shooting threats, uh, catching online predators, stepping in when children are writing suicide notes through their school-issued Google Docs account. Um, it's, really, it's really powerful. Kids are so digitally savvy now. I mean, I think they're born with the knowledge almost. Um, <laughs> I think from, so, too. <laughs> isn't it true? From a young age, they can get on any device and begin yeah. to understand it. It is really, it's, it's crazy how it's built in. You know, for me, being born in the 50s, um, it came, you know, well, it didn't come so easy learning this stuff. But, um, you know, it's really important that, that we're connected. Yeah. So parents can purchase the BARC technology programs, and, um, and what would that look like when they purchase that? What would they be getting? So, um, so when parents purchase the Bark software, um, it is fourteen dollars per family per month, and that is unlimited devices, unlimited kids, unlimited accounts, and um, then you know you connect your children's devices and accounts, and then the Bark software goes to monitoring and alerting you. Um, there's actually actually an annual fee which saves a significant amount of money as well. If you want to buy it for the whole year, it's $99. Oh, so that okay. Is, That's affordable. Yeah. Um, you know, less than you spend on Netflix. <laughs> uh-huh. So, so yeah, so that's, that's Bark, and, and it will be monitoring, it will be detecting, it will be alerting, and then we'll also give you screen time capabilities. So if you just want to, you know, make sure your kid is not on TikTok at 3 a.m. Uh, from your phone, you can do that with Bark. Okay, and um, and so will you monitor various um, devices? So, in other words, would you mm -hmm. monitor the computer, um, the iPad, the um, cell phone? You know, can can you do that? Can you monitor several devices? Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, if your child has thirty devices or one device, we can handle it, and you know, across multiple children. Um, the average child, I believe, uh, can access. Uh, around you know, 22 connected devices in the home at any point. Wow. I know, right? Because there's, there's multiple televisions, there's family computers, there's gaming consoles, there's smartwatches, there's smartphones. I mean, the list goes on and on. 
Yeah, I was amazed. Um, my my son came one time, and we didn't have at the time we didn't have Netflix, and he's like, "Oh, I'll connect you." And he goes and he gets his game, you know, his electronic game. I don't remember which one it was. Brings it in, connects it to something, and boom, <laughs> we have Netflix. I, I'm like, "How did you do that? How did you even connect those two ideas that I didn't think?" you know, had anything to do with anything. So um, <clears throat> it's really amazing. How did BARC, where did BARC get the name? Is it is it a um, an acronym or what, is, what so, does it stand for? Yeah, so BARC comes uh, from the analogy of uh, a, a watchdog. So much like when a stranger or mailman comes to your house and the dog barks to let you know there's a potential danger. Uh, that's what our digital guard dog will do for your family and, and let you know if your child has encountered something problematic online. Okay, now I get it. You know, because yeah. bark has several different, you know, it could be the bark of a tree, it could be somebody's last name, but I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bark. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're... <laughs> Your system is barking at all the all the uh, issues that our children are facing. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Very cool. Um, Titania, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us? Yes. Thank you for asking. Um, I would love to let anybody listening know that uh, you know parenting in a tech world is not easy. No parent has ever had to do it in the history of parenting. And so God bless you. Uh, We're all just trying to do the best we can. Um, On that note, there is a Facebook group called Parenting in a Tech World. And it's a closed group on Facebook of over 77,000 parents. And so if you are listening right now and you're struggling with, gosh, when do I give my kid a smartphone? What's the right age? Or should I let my child have have Snapchat or help my child is the victim of cyberbullying, what do I do? Uh, chances are you are not alone and there will be somebody else in the group that has already raised that and conversations uh, to follow to help give you support and advice. So since that's a free resource, I wanted to let everybody know about that. Oh, that's great. Thank you. Do you yeah. have an opinion on, on what age we should give kids cell phones? <laughs> I do. <laughs> Um, okay. My my opinion is that uh, once you give a phone, uh, it's much harder to take away than just to wait. So it's kind of like, you know, if you start a, rolling a ball down the hill, you know, good luck trying to get it back up the hill. Um, that said, every every family dynamic is different. Every child is different. Some children are developmentally ready to have a smartphone with limited capabilities at the age of nine, and some are not ready until they're 16. Um, You have to be a very proactive parent in managing uh, what kind of phone. Uh, You know, are they able to download apps? Are they able to have social media? Are you going to be monitoring it? Um, What is your child's specific mental health situation? Are they neurodiverse? You know, there's a lot of factors you have to think of. So my answer is that there is no one right age. Um, a lot of parents think, oh, my kid's 13, time for a smartphone. Maybe, maybe not. Also in families of, uh, you know, dual households, a child might 
get a phone even earlier than normal uh, in order to be able to have contact with with those parents. Right. Right. That's what I. You know, <clears throat> that's what I was thinking. You know, it's parents want to know that they have that contact with children, and I think it's more about that than anything. But they do have to be responsible. And phones are not cheap. You give a child a phone, no. and they keep dropping it and <clears throat> dropping it oh in the gosh. sink, getting it wet. I mean, they're not cheap, so kids have to be no. responsible. They really do. Yeah, you have to know that. And they- Make sure you get that insurance too. Right. <laughs> it pays for itself. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been so great talking to you. Uh, yeah. I, as I said in the beginning, I really love what you guys are doing. How many people actually work for Bark Technologies? Wow. Um, our team has grown to about 70 people today. Really? Yeah. Yeah. We were only a team of eight, you know, two years ago. So it's pretty crazy. That is crazy, and and most of them are working, um, doing the monitoring, or what? What is the majority of people doing? Actually, the majority of our team members are customer service. Um, we oh. want to make sure that the the process uh, is as easy as possible, and any questions you have, we're able to address ASAP. Um, so yeah, that's the majority of our team is uh, you know just making sure parents are able to get onboarded and, and set up for success. Um, and you know it's it's an algorithm that is doing the monitoring, uh, not humans. Um, okay. We we do have a human element to the team um, to help train the data, but that's that's a key point there um, for a variety of reasons. One, you know nobody wants to to um, feel uneasy about other people looking at their child's data. Uh, And so we, you know, are fully compliant there and have the most stringent layer of security and and protocols. Um, And then the the humans uh, who are on our data annotation team are really serving to help train the algorithm. So if, uh, if there's a new phrase going around that gets flagged because our algorithm doesn't know how to label it, then a, a human uh, will be tasked with analyzing it and then uh, adding data and then feeding it back into the algorithm so that our algorithm can continue to report on things accurately. Um, but that data is always uh, anonymized, so it's never going to be tied to a specific child with specific data. It's, it's for educational and training purposes. Okay. <clears throat> well, that's good. Yeah, I can understand why why parents would feel better about that. What is the website that people will go to to connect with you? Uh, you go to bark.us. So not bark.com, but bark.us. Okay, that's simple. <laughs> yeah. You can't, can't get any simpler than that. Okay. Um, we just have about a minute or two, but I wanted to ask you just, just out of curiosity – was there any? Has there been any something something that really shocked you that you found out about what kids are watching lately, besides the George Floyd challenge? <laughs> um, something that is really uh, unsettling to me and heartbreaking to me is uh, pornography. Uh, how that impacts our children's relationships, um, their mental health, and their ability to have productive and healthy sexual relationships later on in life. Um, True. The way that pornography skews 
uh, their perceptions of expectations, norms, body types, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. It's really heartbreaking. And, uh, you know, whatever um, feelings you have about sexual morality aside, just the science behind what it does to your brain and how it's affecting uh, particularly men's ability to um, to perform, for lack of a better term, later on in life. Really? Um, wow. It's sad. Yeah. It is sad. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> Thank you so much. Um, I know my yes. listeners Thank really find me. this valuable. This is super valuable information. I mean, um, I was excited to, to bring this to light because people don't really know about you. Um, and this is how you. This is why you're out there doing it, right? Out there publicizing it. That's Good. right. I, I can't thank you enough for highlighting this and bringing this to to the forefront of people's minds because it's very important. It is very important. I um I am completely with you. Yeah. When this came across my um, email, I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's something that I believe in. <laughs> this is great um, <clears throat> because all the violence in school it all starts from the home when children are young i mean you've got to watch your kids what they what they're exposed to what they say what you say to them you know it's how you say it it's they're like um you know everything gets imprinted on them so anyway we're out of time but um thank you again i really really appreciate it and love the work that you're doing so spread that around your company um i'm all for it <clears throat> Um, and have a wonderful day. Oh, thank you so much. Same to you. Okay. Take care. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. So we are out of time today, but if you have any comments or questions about today's show, you can email me at loveyourlife at randyfine.com. And guess what? I'm going to have a new app. I'm working on it right now. It will be out very soon. I'll let you know. May joy and serenity always be yours. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.